Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. This is The Joe Martino Show. Today, I'm going to be joined by my wife, and we're going to talk about emotionally secure kids. I think you're going to enjoy this episode, and I look forward to hearing your feedback. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome back. I hope today is going well for you. Wherever today is, I hope that you are investing today, that you're not just spending it haphazardly, but that you're doing something that matters to you. And if you're not, I hope it's because it's something you have to do so that you can do something that matters to you. Today, I'm excited because my wife stops by again, and we're going to talk about raising emotionally secure kids. As many of you know, I wrote a book called The Emotionally Secure Couple. At the time, we talked about, hey, we should write a book uh, called Raising Emotionally Secure Kids, which someday will do. Uh, I'm nervous about that for two reasons. The biggest one being none of my kids. Well, yeah, none of my kids are actually out of the house yet. And so I'd like for the story to be relatively done before I write the book because I believe in the jinx and I don't want to. My wife's laughing at me, but she does too. So I don't know why she's laughing. No, I'm, uh, I'm right with you. On <laughs> okay. This one. Just wait. All right. And the other thing is, and this is a different day, but we're going to talk about at some point in the future, what do you do when you disagree? Because we disagree pretty strongly in some areas on what is the best parenting approach. And it's not that we don't want what's best for our kids or think that the other person doesn't. We just believe we get there a different way. And it, it, it is an opportunity for discussion. That's another way to say it's stressful. Before we get to that conversation, though, Erica, we want to talk about how do you spend time with kids? You know, I, I tend to see parents at extremes. There's the parent like Donald Miller. I don't know that he listens to this, the author. Uh, but if he doesn't and you're his friend, send him this copy. I muted him on all social media for at least the 30 days and I'm thinking I'm going to renew it because at some point he put down that childhood, having your kids at home is so fleeting, which I agree with. Like you blink, they're born and you blink and they're 20, dating some guy from Illinois. Uh, and, and and he's like, so I just try to get four hours every day with my daughter. I'm like, you pretentious jerk. Like most people are never going to be able to get four hours. And that's what stresses them out, right? They got to work. They got to make dinner. They got to clean the house. Laundry needs done. Bills need paid. They need some semblance of their own brain to have calm. I think we maybe overemphasize that a little bit. But there is this, there is that extreme, like, oh, I just got to spend every waking minute with my kids. I can't be anywhere they're not. And then the other side of that is there's parents that just don't see their kids ever. They just ignore them. They don't talk to them. And and I think most, most parents, I used to say all parents, I've come to the realization it's not all. Most parents want to do a good job parenting. And, and so ta- let's talk a little bit, if you would, Erica, about what does it mean to spend time with our kids? How much time do we need to try to spend with our kids and what does that look like and we'll just kind of play it from there jump in wherever you want that's good i see there's a difference between task and relationship right and so many times as parents we get caught up on we gotta get them to their sporting event oh yeah they have gymnastics tonight too and then oh, let's not forget youth group with the art lessons and then we gotta go see grandma and grandpa and take them there and then at night we they gotta do their homework for three or four hours and then it's bedtime and uh, just as, i would just yeah. say for longtime listeners of this show they'll know that i'm against 
used almost all of that. If you take your kids three or four hours to do homework, send them back to school tomorrow and tell the teacher to do a better job is what I've said before. I have a love-hate relationship with sports, as you know, as my wife. My listeners know that too. I think sports can build wonderful character, but we just need, and I say this every time sports come up on this show, I'm going to say it till other people pick up the mantra and hopefully we start a revolution. We just need to admit that the all sports, all the time running families is an abject failure. It's just failed. And so you're going to talk about the antidote for that. Well, I just think that a lot of times parents see us like, what do you mean? I mean, we spend all this time together with their games and I we do all these things together. But doing something for the sake of doing it isn't a inviting conversation. It's not inviting relationships. Right. So, so being together doesn't mean that we're together. Correct. Yes. If we're at the field, but, but Joey's on the field and you're st- talking at one end of the bleachers and I'm two fields over watching Kyra talking on the bleachers. We're all in the same location, but we're not together. That's a great point. Presence does not equal time. In grad school, one of the things, you know, it's 2023, and it's been six years since I've been in grad school, seven years, but the research hasn't changed. One of the number one ways you can spend time with your kids is family dinners. And it's one of the number one things that's gone away in America is family dinners. Uh, we, We are not able to do family dinners, I will say right now, seven days a week. We attempt to do it three to four nights a week, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'd say three to four is our average yeah, for sure to sit yep. down together and you know I know so I do need to interrupt you you okay. said it's 2023 it's only 2022 oh so it's something like that yeah <laughs> but again you this is something that yeah. <laughs> this is something that we have hammered on this show repeatedly you need to have real dinners yes sit and, down talk phones away and while I say that I still have a lot of families who are like well we all we do put our phones away but we don't know what to talk about so let me give you let's start there with family dinners let's, let's yeah, that's a great ideas idea. yeah, let's give ideas what to it. talk about okay you, one of the things we say to our kids is, hey, how was your day? Or even last night, we sat down and we're like, hey, guys, you're about to go back to school. Tell us what was your the favorite thing we did as a family this summer. And so they all went around and created a conversation and they all told us what their favorite family outing was for the summer. Um, at birthdays, we go around every birthday and you have to tell the person whose birthday it is what you like about them. And that creates family conversation. Thanksgiving, like, what are you thankful for? Um, everyday dinners, it usually is like, hey, tell me about your day. And if they, they're like, oh, it's fine. You know, that's what some kids do. Like, it's fine, right? Ask more detailed questions. What are you learning? What are you learning? Right? One of the yeah. conversations we have on repeat at our house is, like, even with our son right now, he's still doing school over the summer, part of being homeschooled. Uh, he has a more relaxed schedule, but it goes longer. And so one of the things that we're doing is we're talking about like taxes and my views on taxes are, are, are pretty strong. Uh, I know, right? You're shocked. shocked, shocked. Uh, my views on those things. But even with our older kids, you know, especially like I think of our oldest, she likes to pretend that she doesn't agree with us on a lot of things. And one of the things that I, that I think parents need to learn is, is the ability to just let it play out. Like, hey, what do you think about this? Oh, OK, well, tell me more about that. And, and utilize good listening skills to inhibit that conversation. And here's the thing, Erica, that I think, and I know you and I have talked about this in the past. What I see is parents want to do it. They try it. It fails. So they give up. Correct. And, and so that, hey, let's just on the everyday, you know, there's an ancient, uh, ancient principle, ancient Hebrew principle. Uh, if you want your kids to learn something, you talk about it when you wake up, when you lie down, when you eat dinner, when you walk on the street. And so I tell parents all the time, just talk to your kids about whatever it is that's important to them and what's important to you. 
One of talking about the topic of how do I build emotional security in my child, along with these dinner conversations, is as a family, you should have values and belief systems that your children are very well aware of. Like, I hope if you ask any of our Mar- the Martino kids, like, hey, what does your family believe in value? They should be able to answer that very quickly. Maybe not Joey. Maybe Only not because Joey. he's nine. That's a concept. But, but I know I was. Know I bet you he would get most of them. I would agree with that. And I know we were both very proud when Kendra had that college class when she was in high school. She had to draw a family shield or crest or something, and and put our values on that shield, and she got them all. And here's the tricky part of going with this: is while they should understand your family's beliefs and values, if you want to grow security in your kid, you also have to let them work out their own beliefs and values. And I think that's where a lot of parents struggle is their kid might come to them and say, hey, I might think this is okay. And it goes against everything you believe. And as parents, we want to lecture. We want to debate with them as to why it's wrong. And if you want to build emotional security in your kid and trust in your kid, just listen and ask questions as to Well, tell me a little more about that. That's one of my favorite responses to my kids when they throw something at me that might be against that value or belief system is tell me more about that. And then I just listen. Yeah, just creating that space where they can have the freedom to disagree with something that they know you believe in. And and this has been important. One of our children is very much like me and and. I knew when she was young what her teen years were going to look like when it came to beliefs. And so I had her read, I've, I've told my listeners this story before, but I had her read uh, The Life of Pi, uh, which in the book, it states that Islam and Christianity is the same, which would not be a belief that we would hold as a family. And I knew she was going to have to read that book eventually. So I was trying to get out ahead of the curve. And, and, and so I had her read it and I went to work and I didn't think anything of it. And you called me up at work. You're like, what did you do? And we kind of had this conversation about like, hey, it's great that she's wrestling with this in fourth grade because more wrestling's coming. And I think one of the ways that that you and I have talked a lot about is if you want to raise emotionally strong kids, emotionally secure kids, they have to have that freedom that you're talking about to wrestle, to disagree. I remember in eighth grade, that same child came to me. um, And I'm assuming Joe has disclosed like we we are a faith, right? And she said to me in the car, she's like, mom, like, I know that we've had this belief system of faith, but I want you to know, I, there's so much evil and pain in this world. I don't know that I believe this anymore. And I listened to her and I was like, okay, it sounds like you're really wrestling with a lot. I'm sorry um, that you, I didn't actually say, I'm sorry you feel that because I don't like that statement. I just said, sounds like you're wrestling with a lot. Uh, I, I hear you. I've struggled with a lot of the same things. And I left it at that. And she came back to me years later and said, hey, mom, do you remember that conversation when I told you how I felt? Like you didn't even react or anything. And I appreciated that. And I think a lot of kids, they have they have brain development going on until they're 24. And so a lot of times they just need a safe person to work through what they're contemplating, what they're thinking. And as parents, when we jump on it and we want to tell them why they're wrong and why they should believe what we believe, A, we're not helping their brain development. We're not helping them exercise logical, critical thinking skills. We're just telling them what to do. And most people don't want to be told what to do. They want a safe person to talk to. And we're actually doing the opposite of that, what you're talking about there. Like when we think about emotionally secure kids, 
it's really not different from adults in that everyone wants to be heard, valued, and safe. And that safe part is what happens, mom and dad, when I disagree with something that I know you believe? And one of the things that, that oh, it scares me to say this out loud, but I think we've done well, is we have created an environment in our house where our kids know there's nothing off the table. And most of the time, the answer is, okay, cool, run that out for me. So you believe this. Great. Run that out for me. How does that work? Or here's why I believe differently after we've spent time uh, listening to why they believe whatever it is they believe. So we talked a lot about teenagers. One of my favorite memories when the kids were little is, I think it was the oldest daughter again. She seems to be the topic of these stories. Uh, She had come, I don't remember what grade she was in, Joe, maybe you remember. She had come to us and... She was upset because she felt like she had way too early of a bedtime compared compared sixth to her grade. sixth grade compared to her peers. And Joe just simply said to her, "We hear you. You think going to bed at I think it was like nine o'clock is too early, and that you should have a later bedtime." He said, "What is one thing mom and dad always teach you? We you can tell us anything, but you have to have the logic to back it up in the research." He's like, "So you go, you t- you go look up what what time should a sixth grader go to bed at your age? You present it to me. We'll have a conversation." And she did just that. That. And she came to him with this research she found. We were very impressed, by the way. And Joe's like, okay, great. You have a later bedtime. Because it can't be about power in the house. It yes. can't be about just like, Amen. hey, yes, I'm the parent. What I say goes. I don't have to have logic behind it. But you better have logic behind what you want to do. Right. Try and like kids need to feel safe and you know that they're heard and that they bring something to the home. So as we're on the topic of small kids, how do you spend time with them? 15 minutes a day. That's all the research shows. And it doesn't even have to be seven days a week. It's usually 15 minutes a day for about four days a week. Yeah. Like four it's, or five days a it's week. It's really simple. Yeah. Like And physical touch. So we're talking about building emotional security. You're going to spend 15 minutes a day with your kid. It could be the car ride home that you're just shutting off your own phone, the radio, and you're asking about their t- their yeah, days. It absolutely. could be crawling in bed with them at night and being like, hey, kid, like, tell me about your day. Tell me what's on your heart. Notice when they feel stressed, anxious, and call that out because everybody wants to be known. And, and and I think this is an adjustment for a lot of parents. Like, even for myself, um, I am an audiobook listener in the car. And I made a commitment to myself when our oldest was young. When the kids are in the car, I'm not going to be playing audiobook and there's been times when I've been in a really good book at a really good section and I want to just listen to it for the 10 minutes it takes me to drive home and so I'm like you sure you don't want to ride home with your mom <laughs> you do say that. That's true. I haven't in a while but I did in the past but just that idea of just shut everything off there's really nothing else that's more important than your kids. And almost everybody agrees with that verbally, but the actions they either make so complicated or they don't think through. And so there's an adjustment there. Even for you, you're a very uh, work-driven person, I think would be a safe way to put that. And and there are times when, when you're in the car and you want to get on the phone, somebody's calling you, I need to answer this. And, and as our youngest son said to me on vacation, there's a lot of things we say we need to do that really we just want to do. And it's been a hard adjustment for me. It's something yeah. I've been working on that I'd still say I screw up, to be if I'm honest with you, is not handling the latest crisis that's come my way um, and instead being present with my kid in the car. Because that's when, like with the teenagers, that's where I get most conversation from them is when we're driving. Uh, when my kids were small, 
it was like I said, it was the bedtime routine. It was sitting in the living room and just chatting with them, playing with them and being like allowing myself to enter their world and realizing nothing else matters for this next 15 minutes, but pouring into my child. And when parents begin to do that, when you begin to say like, hey, we're going to family dinners together, we're going to be intentional about our time. It's not about the time together. It's about being intentional. Taking our kids on dates. Joe, especially, I spend a lot of time with the kids because I'm mom, right? Most moms do that. But Joe does a phenomenal job of just like making sure he takes the kids on dates and he takes them to activities and that he spends time with them too. He took our our, uh, middle daughter golfing the other day. She'd never golfed before, but she had so much fun. It's funny. I was just going to bring that up. Because she got to spend one-on-one time with him. And we just laughed. Like a deer came out and walked in front of us. And and one of the things that we tease her about is she calls all animals friend. And she was like, oh, hi, friend. And Mm -hmm. and we, in fact, we were just laughing about that this morning. I think one of the things is people think it has to be big. Or they're afraid they won't know what to do or say. And I usually tell people, just do whatever it is you normally do. Just take your kid with you. You're Like, we might redo the floors soon. Hey, does anybody want to go to the hardware store with us to pick up the wood that we need to do the floors? You, you, you know, what is it that you're doing? And then also just talking to them about them. And I think you brought up a good thing. When they're young, it's easy. For us, it was easy, right? Because, like, I remember with all the kids, playing with them as babies. I also remember, though, I think my second year of grad school, you and I had talked about, hey, we're going to really kind of drop the hammer here and go full bore to get this done and it's going to be very difficult for three or four years we got it done in three but we, we cushioned that fourth school. year yeah, yeah my grad school and I'll never forget there was one Sunday night that the Steelers were on Sunday night football and they were good that year and I just wanted to watch the game and my schedule at that point was I basically went to school all day Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and then I worked all day Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday and I remember I got done and, and Kendra our oldest she was just a little girl the time she's crawling all over me i'm like what's wrong with you she's like i just haven't seen you that much and you talk about like a knife to the heart and and like when I talk to that story about parents, a lot of times I hear that type of stuff and they they recognize the knife in the heart, but then they don't make the adjustment. And that's the thing. I adjusted my schedule. I dropped a class and I moved it to either May or J term. I don't remember which, but I dropped a class. So that freed up some hours and you've got to make those adjustments. In a lot of ways, spending time with your kids is a value system statement. And again, long-term listeners will know we talk about values drive everything right after expectations. And and there are good things that are going to want time from you that if you give it to them, you won't get that time with your kids. And so when they're little, it's just interacting, playing with them. There's this funny age though. And let's just talk about when they're older, we're going to leave the funny age alone for a minute. And then when they're in their late teens, it's a ton of fun because essentially then you're having adult to adult conversations. Like my kids, we'll talk about literature. We'll talk about modern art. We'll talk about culture, politics, anything, right? And 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 again, it's that 15 minute thing that sometimes will end up being three hours. I mean, sometimes our kids, an hour and a half, two hours, they're talking to us about something. And it's awesome. There's this rough phase, 12 to 15, 16, where it's like somebody flips a switch and your dear sweet child that you had was taken away and a monster was replaced. Two out of the three that we've raised so far have gone through that phase. The third one went through it in a different way. I feel like all three of our girls. Okay, I can see that. that. I feel like I feel like two of them, the two that I was thinking of, it was more blatant, mm-hmm. right? And Joey's still nine, so we don't know what's going to happen with him. My suspicion is it will happen. What are strategies that you have for parents when they're in that stage? Like I, I know my strategies, and I, I think. 
think probably many of them are similar, but let's talk about them. I, I, I you know, I mentioned trauma in the last episode. I sometimes think because of our own trauma, when our, we start to feel rejected by our kids at that age, right? Between the ages of 3 to 15, they have brain development, hormonal changes. And let's be honest, as parents were pretty much the spawn of Satan in their minds, right? And that rejection causes us to withdraw. And I remember Joe and I having conversations even about that, like, gosh, we feel like they hate us and you don't want to spend time with them. Let's be real when they're doing this, right? But when kids are acting up and when they're going through these things, the very thing they need is the time with you. They need you to want to invest and to keep pouring in, even though you're going to get shot down and rejected, most likely over and over and over again. One of the mistakes that I think we even made as parents and I see parents still make is they want the time they spent to be about them. They want it to be something they enjoy doing. It can't be that way. Like figure out what your kid is passionate about and what they want to do. And then you go do that activity, even if it kills you, even if it hurts. Because you're like, oh, I don't want to go to an art museum. I don't care, to be honest. You go to that art museum because if that's the way you're going to reach your kid, you do it. And so one of the first things you have to ask yourself, in my opinion, if your kid is acting out and they're doing things that go against your value system and your belief system, the first place I think you start, and Joe could disagree, is are they getting the time and attention from me they need? And if you can't answer that yes, then that's where you need to start. That's where the problem lies. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think, you know, I just, I met with, it's funny because I met with two people this week and we, we talked about, well, I met with more than two people, but two people that we talked about specifically this issue. And one of them was a mom that I could not convince for the life of me the 15 minute rule. I just could not get her to agree. And she sat down and she's like, I just can't believe it. Like, like I make sure I get those 15 minutes in with them. And then like today they were like, hey mom, thanks for playing with us, but we kind of like to play without you right now. And she was crushed. Uh-huh. I was like, wait, why are you crushed? That's That was your goal. That means they're secure. I think the great paradox is secure kids don't need to hang out with their kids, all their parents all the time. Correct. They want to hang out with their kids. They don't need to. But when a kid actually actively chooses to not hang out with their parents, the parents' own trauma kicks in mm-hmm. and we almost create this thing where like we want you dependent on us. Correct. And that's about the parent, not the kid. And then another person I was talking to about this week about this, like, hey, it's just 15 minutes and there has to be space for your kid to say, I don't feel like I'm getting getting enough time from you. And you need to explore that with them. Like, okay, what does that mean? The other side of it is that your kid needs to have space to be like, look, I don't want time with you right now and I don't need it. And there is a line there that's fuzzy where sometimes you have to say, I don't care if you want time or not. You have to be a part of the family tonight. Yes. And then there are other times where you say, okay, have at it. And and that's the rub. I, I actually 100% agree with you. Uh, if kids are acting out, I in fact, I've gotten to the place in my career where I will rarely see kids if the parents aren't willing to come because it's almost always related to the the parent-child relationship. And so when you start talking about raising emotionally secure children, one of the things that you we talk about is heard, valued, safe, space to disagree, right? Uh, our kids disagree with us. We often laugh. Our kids will kind of like, they drop like the, hey, this is my belief bomb. And we're like, oh, okay. And then, you know, if you don't react two or three weeks later, you hear them arguing a position exactly opposite. Yeah of what they told you they believed two or three weeks earlier. And I think one of the things that we run into is parents tend to think everything matters 100%. And I often tell my clients, if everything's important, nothing's important because then everything is just average. And so you have to pick your battles with your kids. That's part of raising emotionally secure kids. You have to spend time with them. You have to create space where they can disagree with you. And even sometimes live that out. You have to create space where they can explore it. Our job is to create a safe space where, and I hate that phrase, but to create a 
safe space where they can break things and put them back together. Yes. And when we can do that, we're going to raise emotionally secure adults. Anything you want to add? Yeah, I just think like our job is not to build their character or to build who they're going to be. Our job is to shape who they become. And we shape it by investing in them, by allowing them. I mean, we only have a few years in the home, right? Yeah. And by allowing them to express what, how they feel and start to develop their own belief systems while they're under our roof. So we can, we can shape those and, but not tell them who they are and who they have to be. Yeah, absolutely. And by spending time with them, you're the biggest influential person in your child's life. Yeah. I tell people this all the time. It's like we pretend the research doesn't exist. It is not your kid's coach that is going to be the biggest influencer in their life unless you've unless you've given that up. It is not your t- kid's teacher. It is not their principal, their youth pastor, their mentor. It is you. Parents are the number one influencer of children ever. And, and we know that. The research is overwhelming to that. All right. Well, thanks again for stopping by. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, I know you can be anywhere and spend your time any way that you want. Uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to email me, joe at joemartino.com. Please put subject in the podcast line. If you enjoy this, please share it with three of your friends. One of the ways that we find meaning is by sharing things with our friends that is important to us. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend and hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.